three, two, one. You ready? You're listening to the Real Pineapple Podcast Network. Good evening, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. This is The Real Pineapple. This is your humble host, Hunter, here on a Thursday night. Hope you guys are having a great week. It is, uh, I don't know how cold it is in Reno. It's probably got to be at least 40 degrees, but it snowed here for like three hours. So uh, that wasn't awesome. So, oh, I am way off. It is 29 degrees right now. That makes a lot more sense. So, I just got back, and when I say just got back, I've been back in my home for about 10 minutes. Um, I just got back from seeing Doolittle, which, let's just get this out of the way. Is this movie good? No. Absolutely not. It is a dumb fucking movie. It's just getting that out of the way right now. However, oh god, okay, sorry. One thing at a time. So, Doolittle was directed and written by Stephen uh, Gagan who, oh my god, that makes me so sad. So he uh, was a screenwriter on um, on Traffic, which I love that movie. Now, and he actually, actually also did uh, Rules of Engagement in 2000. That was a good year for him. But ever since then, he did uh, uh, directed a movie called Gold, which, whatever, okay. He also was a screenwriter on I Still Know What You Did Last Summer, so that's not uh, encouraging. Uh, he was a screenwriter on NYPD Blue. Okay, what the hell happened here? It, sorry. Anyways, but he was a writer and director on this, and this movie, Doolittle, it screams of issues behind the scenes, because I guess they've been trying to make this movie for several years, at least five, and it, it shows, because the, the amount of just back and forth and, and quick cuts and how jumbled this movie is is kind of insane uh Robert Downey Jr. of course uh plays a uh, Dr. John Doolittle and here's the thing about RDJ Rob Downey Jr. I don't think people really give him enough credit because you know he's been flying around you know being Tony Stark for so long I, I I really think it's unfair that people don't uh go ahead and uh kind of put the put the respect on his name that he uh, he should have um even though it's basically a glorified cameo. He was a great chef. I really liked the the, the judge with him and Rob Duvall. Uh, liked Sherlock Holmes, uh, uh, A Game of Shadows. Love the first Sherlock Holmes. Uh, due date is terrible. Do not misunderstand. Uh, love the first Sherlock Holmes I just mentioned. I, I enjoyed the hell out of him in The Soloist. Uh, I enjoyed Tropic Thunder. Uh, sorry, I love Tropic Thunder. Tropic Thunder is great. Uh, I loved him in uh, Charlie Bartlett. Where he's the principal, a uh, principal uh, gardener. He was great in Zodiac, uh, A Scanner Darkly. Rupert has been in a lot of movies. I just kiss, kiss, bang, bang. Obviously, I think that man is absolutely wonderful. So it's it hurt my heart to think about you know him getting done with uh, being done with the Tony Stark character and having such a great send off in Endgame. And some people say an Oscar worthy performance. I think he should have gotten a Golden Globe nomination. But what you gonna do? I thought he was great. So to see him just clearly sleepwalk through this movie, it's it's so incredibly confusing. Um, his accent. So 
if you've watched Shappie, or which if you haven't, you should, or Sherlock Holmes, you know he can do an accent. He's not bad at it. But his accent here, it's like a it's almost like he's doing a bad impression of Craig Ferguson. Like, it's a really weird accent choice that he made, and it's just, it didn't make a whole lot of sense. Um, I, yeah, like, to a point, honestly, if I'm being straight up here, there are points where I'm looking at the screen, I'm like, oh, man, what is he saying? Like, I legit needed subtitles for some stuff he's saying. It's really, it, it's confusing. So, as far as the plot, and it's a very quick plot, Dr. John Doolittle, and I have to give the movie credit for this. The movie starts off with kind of like an animated sequence. Uh, it's like a 2D, um, it's almost like a, oh, what's that game I'm thinking of? Uh, like, it's like Cuphead, almost. It has this like 2D, uh, 2D animation, but it's got like a hand-drawn background. It looks really beautiful. Whoever did the animation, uh, absolute credit to you. I thought the animation part was great. But it talks about how he went ahead and met his wife, they went ahead and went on adventures together. Uh, very, uh, just a very sweet opening. Uh, his wife goes off on a uh, expedition without him. He stays behind to go ahead and you know take care of the animals and all that. Uh, she gets caught up in a storm. Storm goes ahead and breaks her ship. She drowns at sea. It's actually pretty damn sad. And so you find out because of that that Doolittle goes ahead and he's got this whole sanctuary that he normally has open work. All animals and critters can come ahead and uh, and live uh, in peace, and you know he'll take care of them. But after this, you know he has his heart broken. You know he goes fuck everybody else and goes ahead and just closes himself and becomes a recluse. Uh, think professor, uh, think Professor Xavier in uh, X Men: Days of Future Past. So that's where the movie starts, and I thought for the start I went okay. That's 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 sad. I don't I don't mind this opening. Okay. That's kind of where the movie starts to fall apart, though, because um, the kid they have in here, um, whose name I cannot find, but they have this little girl show up. She uh, is the, I think, the daughter of the Queen of England, which, by the way, really makes no sense. Uh, she, The Queen falls ill, so she sends her daughter, niece, whatever, she sends her to find Dr. Doolittle. And all of a sudden, they're thinking is, okay, why wouldn't you send an adult to go find Dr. Doolittle? It, it, it seems a little odd, but whatever. And at the same time that's happening, this kid um, goes ahead, and he's hunting with his dad. And he goes ahead and is, uh, is basically told, hey, shoot this duck, because we're hunters. That's what our family does. You need to go ahead and shoot this duck. He refuses to shoot the duck. He pretends he misses the duck on purpose, shoots the squirrel. And so he goes ahead, takes the squirrel, puts it in like a shoe box or whatever, and runs the box to Doolittle's house. Doolittle happens to see the kid because he gets caught in one of his traps that he has around the compound, which I will say was actually clever. I will give him that. But goes ahead and lets a kid in, and that uh, leads to Doolittle being told to go ahead and go on this exposition to... Uh, to go ahead and save the queen. Here's what's confusing about this movie. Um, the queen that he's supposed to save, at no point does it feel like they're friends. Basically, she's bedridden the whole movie, and the movie just goes, well, she's going to go ahead and save the queen because they're friends, but they never show you a flashback of the meeting 
or them even giving each other a high five. Like, it it doesn't make any sense at all. So when the movie goes, oh yeah, just buy this, I went, no. I went, you need to give me a little more than that. The kid's name is Tommy Stubbins, by the way. So, that's confusing itself. Um, it, it, it just... It, here's what almost is more frustrating about it. I'm sitting here, I just got out of the movie 20 minutes ago, and I gotta be honest, guys, I cannot, there's so much about this movie I will not remember in a week. I was so bored. There was just a point about halfway through this, I went, oh my god, I don't care. Can this just be done and over with? Uh, Craig Robinson is in here. He plays a squirrel who gets shot, uh, Kevin. I love Craig Robinson. He's one of my favorite actors. He was great on Mr. Robot. I love most of Pontiac Bandit. Uh, recurring character in Brooklyn Nine-Nine, uh, Hot Tub Time Machine, The Office, of course. Craig Robinson is absolutely wonderful. It seemed like Craig Robinson was like, oh man, like Craig Robinson had to have been high when he was recording his lines, or maybe he did his lines over Skype, because he just seemed like, oh man, I gotta do this, like I gotta just get this done, whatever. The movie goes out of its way to establish itself as a period piece. You don't have any cell phones or... You know, like, there's no lasers or Stark Tech or anything like that. But it's very much a period piece. It goes out of its way to establish that. The thing that kills me about this movie is that they make a Godfather reference from out of fucking nowhere. There's no context for it. They just went, we need to go ahead and have a Godfather reference. And if I'm a seven, eight-year-old kid, you haven't seen the Godfather right then. I, at least I would hope not. So why the hell are you throwing that reference in? They also have a goose... Uh, make a rush hour reference he goes the goose goes can you not understand the words are coming on my bill and i just went oh come on and the movie keeps doing stuff like that i went back and watched the trailer for this and i went okay like the, the trailers are very vague and i think that's something that people are going to kind of might kind of miss on that the trailers are very vague there's only a couple lines of dialogue from uh doolittle himself but they they, they almost sell you on this, they're going to give you this swashbuckling, like, uh, like you know, almost like a Pirates of the Caribbean, but for kids. Almost That's almost how the movie is, like, sorry, not almost, that is how the movie is marketing itself. And you don't get that here. This isn't even close to a Pirates of the Caribbean movie. This isn't even close to Treasure Planet, so let's just, let's just get that out of the way. Uh, you, if you want a swashbuckling family film, watch Treasure Planet. Don't watch this shit. Um... So I was intrigued. The one thing that kind of had me intrigued was that there was a dragon in this, right? Uh, from nowhere, my eye. I think it was the second trailer. They show a dragon. I went, that's interesting. All right, I'm mildly intrigued on how you get here. So, he, of course, because it's Doolittle, he does have to have a, a foil. So the foil for him in this movie is played by Michael Sheen. And... That broke my heart. I did not know Michael Sheen was in this movie. I love Michael Sheen. He's at um, Masters of Sex, if you haven't watched that show. Highly recommend you do. Very underrated show. But uh, he played Dr. Blair uh, Mudfly. And so they went to school together in college. Of course, Doolittle was like the star pupil. So Mudfly has that grudge against him, whatever. Um... Michael Sheen is being very cartoonish here, and Michael Sheen can play cartoonish, and I, I felt like Michael Sheen, if I'm being straight up, he was trying harder than Rob Downey Jr. was. It felt like Rob Downey Jr. really went, 
well, I'm Rob Downey Jr. I can just kind of coast through this shit. Michael Sheen, because he is, you know, uh, he he works his ass off in everything he's in. Go back and watch those Twilight movies. He works his ass off in those. When he had no reason to, might I add. But Rob Downey Jr., again, yes, is he charming? Normally, yeah, but... It, just, it really felt like there was just no sense of urgency to this role whatsoever. I understand it's a kid's movie. I understand that people would look up, down on these and just kind of go, well, it's a kid's movie. Who the fuck cares? But the thing is, if you sign up for something, put your all into it. This was a movie with a $175 million budget, which is so... It, it hurts my head to think about... $175 just being wasted on this fucking movie. Um, and yet, it doesn't feel like anyone went ahead and gave a damn. Uh, the budget on The Jungle Book, uh, which came out only three years ago, uh, Disney's The Jungle Book, the live-action version, that was $177 million. So the fact that this is only $2 million or less than The Jungle Book, how the fuck is this so much worse than The Jungle Book is? I understand it's Disney, but you couldn't have made... Some of these animals look halfway decent, and that's the thing that really stood out to me, is the CG is really bad. There's some parts of it where it looks good. There's some stuff on the open seas where some of the animals are kind of flying around and stuff like that. I went, oh, you know, there's like parrots and shit, and I thought, all right, some of this looks okay. But even when they're on the open sea, the, the, the waves look don't look natural. Uh, the boat itself, like, they couldn't... They couldn't go ahead and, you know, tear themselves away to actually build a fucking set for the fucking boat. It it looks fake. Um, oh, God, what's his, what's his, uh, what's her name? Emma Thompson, she plays Polly, who's basically the head animal, because she's, uh, like, the parrot that goes ahead and uh, talks to, to uh, Doolittle the most. I... I liked Emma Thompson in it. She, I thought she was the voice, uh, best voice actress in here. But most of the voice acting is bad. John Cena plays Yoshi, who's a polar bear. And man, I, I, I watching Ferdinand that uh, that cartoon, that live action or not live action. Good God, that uh, animated film that John Cena did. John Cena's not a bad voice actor. Not the case here. It felt like John Cena just was given no direction uh, whatsoever. And I love the man. He's my favorite Spider-Man ever. But I gotta call it Tom Holland here. He played a Jip, who's this uh, this dog. And Tom Holland's voice, it felt like it was altered in post. It felt like a lot of the voice acting was just, like, tweaked with to kind of fit the comedic tone. So I don't know how much of that I can put on the on the voice actors. Maybe they just weren't directed correctly. I, I don't really know, but... It, it really was frustrating sitting there going, okay, that's, uh, that's Rami Malek, okay... I can hear uh, Octavia Spencer. Okay, um, I think that's Selena Gomez, and how their voice talents are just being absolutely wasted in here. Uh, for me, the part where I kind of just broke and went, "All right, I'm I'm kind of over this." There's a scene because they have to go ahead and find this uh, this MacGuffin, uh, this uh, this fruit uh, tree that's at this that's in this hidden island or on this hidden island that him and his wife were going ahead and looking for. So that's the big kind of thing, like, as far as how to save the queen. Now, they make a point <laughs> to go ahead and say, hey, no human has ever been to this island. So, yes, his wife was working on, you know, trying to find it, 
but you're taking a really big risk here and just assuming that the fruit is there. So that was something I went, all right, I kind of need a little more on this, but whatever, I guess. So they go and they get to this island, and the one thing that kind of made me perk up a little bit was a King uh, Razuli, who's played by Antonio Banderas, who is the father of Dr. Doolittle's uh, ex-wife, or, or, or wife. And that actually was mildly entertaining, because Antonio Banderas, he's Antonio Banderas. I mean, you know, you got nominated this year for an Oscar for a reason. The, the man is suave as hell, you know, and... The scenes with him and uh, Robert Downey Jr., I did feel like there was some chemistry there because that's just two great actors kind of showing out a little bit. But outside of that, uh, you don't get a lot with Antonio Banderas. You only get maybe, I mean, 10 minutes if I'm being generous. So it's just like that's something I went, oh, I'm actually very intrigued by this. And it feels like uh, King Rizuri, uh, Rizuli it feels like he has a really interesting backstory, and they just never touch on it. Basically, you know that he's uh, Doolittle's uh, wife's dad, and that's it, basically. Uh, that's really all you get from Antonio Banderas, which sucks, because it would have been nice to actually get more of that. Um, there is a line that John Cena's character, Yoshi, drops. Uh, he says the doctor is in, and just as a wrestling fan, I was sitting there going, oh my god, they're making a joke about John Cena's old wrestling nickname being the Doctor of Thugonomics. Now, maybe they didn't think it out that far, but to have, of all the characters, him go ahead and say that line, I went, all right, that, that felt really intentional. Like, you went out of your way to go ahead and kind of irritate me. So that irked me. And if I'm, and just one more quick thing here. There are a couple things I liked. I, I did like some of the camaraderie between the animals, even though... All the animals are kind of just trying to drop one-liners and be quippy. And I, I thought the jokes for 80% of this movie just fell flat. Uh, maybe 75%, but I wouldn't go any lower than that. It just felt like everything was just a missed joke, missed joke, missed joke. Oh, that was mildly funny. Missed joke, missed joke. Like, it really was just kind of grating at points to a point where I'm sitting there going, like, all right, let's 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 get going. Let's, let's get through this. Um... There's a point. There's a point where uh, Kevin, the squirrel, goes heads goes like, "I'm too beautiful to die," and I just went that that has no context. Like he just gotten shot. I get it, but it's it's dumb. And the whole reason that the that Doctor Dulo goes on this quest is because yeah, as I mentioned earlier, the queen's dying, but basically she went ahead and gifted Doolittle this house. So if she dies, like, the D of the house goes to the parliament or whatever the hell. And so that's the big hook as far as getting him out of the house. And Rob, uh, Doolittle looks at the screen or to his animal friends, whatever, and goes, oh, that's what I get for having the monkeys uh, read, uh, read the contract. Like, you're fired. And I went, well, why would you have monkeys reading the contract anyway? I mean, you're a human. Can't you do it? Uh, stupid. Uh, the biggest compliment I can give this movie is that it goes out of its way, at least, to go ahead and establish the fact that when you're talking to an animal, that 
you're not you're you're not just talking to an animal like you would a human. Like you actually have to talk to an animal. So there's a point where he's speaking to this gorilla. He's playing chess, and I did like this chess scene. This is maybe 10, 15 minutes into the movie, but I appreciated the scene because he's talking like like he's talking like a gorilla to this gorilla. He's not talking like a he's not talking like a He's not talking like a human. If you heard that snap, that was me uh, telling my cat to stop what he's doing. But, <laughs> but you don't. You, you, he's not talking to the gorilla like a human. He's talking to the, the gorilla like a gorilla. So he's like grunting and all that. And they have this chessboard, and it's the mice wearing different little crowns and stuff to represent what chess piece they are. And I thought that was actually pretty cute. I was like, all right. And so I, that that little attention to detail, as far as him just. You know, talking to animals, and I, I did appreciate that. The other thing I also did appreciate, um, I, I appreciate the way that the animals interacted with each other, how they were making efforts to go ahead and kind of use each other's languages uh, to speak to each other. I, I thought that was actually really well done. I'm like, all right, fair enough. The the big thing where I just kind of the movie almost broke me when they're trying to go ahead and get that fruit, they encountered the dragon I spoke about earlier. So this dragon uh, has some like stomach ailment, and so Doolittle basically says, "Look, you need to lay down on your side. Like, you know, if you don't let me help you, you're not gonna be able to defend this fruit. Like, you know, you're gonna die." So this whole scene leads to Doolittle pulling things out of this dragon's ass. So he pulls out like bones and armor, and the the end of the gag is him pulling out a bagpipe. And I just went, God almighty, guys, like, you can't, like, you can't try this little, and, and the, and so, of course, they do the whole, like, oh, the dragon farted, ah, like, it's, it, it's absurd, and the movie acts like it's funny, and I'm sitting there in my seat, just shaking my head, but there are a couple families behind me, just laughing their asses off, but, yeah, it, this, in closing here, and I can't even use this as an excuse, I really do get sick of the, oh, it's a kid's movie excuse. If you had kids that are like four, five, they'd probably like this and just be okay with the bright colors and some CG. But look, raise some good kids. Like, get them into better films than this. There's so many great kids' movies. Not not, not even just Pixar movies. I, I know some people are like, oh, you're talking about Disney Pixar. No, there's... I just watched Klaus on Netflix. That was great. Uh, Missing Link. I just watched that on Hulu. And it's funny. I actually like this movie less because of Missing Link. Because the whole exp uh, expedition thing. It was done better in Missing Link. In the animation and everything. And the fact that there, there, there felt like there are genuine consequences in Missing Link. As opposed to this. I was more invested in Missing Link than I ever was in this. And that movie did not even come close to having the budget that Doolittle had. So, uh, honestly, it, it, it's really frustrating to think about the movies that... <coughs> wow, so the uh, Missing Link had a budget of $100 million. So, wow. Um, which is a shame because the the box office for it was only $26.2 million, which is, which is a fucking shame because Missing Link was great. So, um yeah, I, not, oh, God, now I'm thinking about it. I got to give this, because I think I gave, uh, oh, what's that movie? Uh, like a Boss. I think I gave that C-, but 
There was even the chemistry between Tiffany Haddish and Rose Byrne to carry me through. There really wasn't anything here that I went, oh yeah, this is so good. This will carry me through to the end of the movie. Uh, this is a fucking bummer, honestly. And while I didn't leave the theater pissed off, the more I'm sitting here talking about it, the more irritated I'm getting. So I, oh uh, God, I'm going to give this a D minus. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if this will be on my worst of, but... God damn, dude, you, guys, you got you got to try harder. Again, love Rob Downey Jr., but uh, no one is infallible in the real pineapple. If you make something bad, I'm going to tell you it's bad. So, yeah, th this this should have been better, and this is tracking, I guess, for like a $16 million opening weekend, which is not great. So it'll finish behind uh, Bad Boys for Life and uh, behind 1917. So... Yeah, you know what though? This will probably make 16 mil, maybe 18 mil opening weekend. It's gonna have a hell of a hill to climb. So unless this cleans up in China, uh, I think this will be the first box office just blunder of uh, 2020. So yeah, uh, did not enjoy this. Won't watch this again. Uh, maybe for my best, my worst of list for uh, this year to see if it'll make it. Which honestly, guys, this could. This genuinely could make my worst of. But uh, guys. Uh, Doolittle, have you seen it? What did you think? Let us know what you thought in the comments below. You can follow yours truly on the Twitter at jhunterrealpineapple. You can follow Scott on Twitter at nearmanthefirst. And you can follow Colin on Twitter at therealoneal. Go ahead and follow us on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Stitcher Radio, and Spotify at The Real Pineapple. And go ahead and like, share, and subscribe to all of those. And go ahead and like us on Facebook at The Real Pineapple. Guys, thank you so much for listening. Later this weekend, we'll have a review up for Bad Boys for Life. I'm seeing that Sunday morning, so we'll have a review up for that. And we will have a review up for Just Mercy as well. Don't forget, guys, starting in February, for the month of February, we will have, um, I want to do this last year, time just didn't allow it, unfortunately, but uh, we're doing it this year, we're going to have our Black Cinema Showcase for uh, for February, Black History Month, so I've, uh, we're going to re-review Get Out, uh, we will finally have that review of When They See Us, and uh, I will have a review for 12 Years a Slave, along with some other stuff for the month of February, I'm so excited, but uh, guys, thank you so much for listening, thank you for the support, we'll talk to you guys soon, have a good one.